This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to the premiere edition of In Conversation. Thank you so much for being with us. This show, in my view, is upfront, up close, and uplifting the approach to life that has always been mine. So let's get right to it. Marcy Ian has found a new voice. The celebrated broadcaster and award-winning journalist has changed the course of her journey, her life, and is now following a path to politics. Marcy Ian is running for the federal liberals in a by-election on October 26th in Toronto Centre, the riding formerly held by Bill Morneau. She joins us now on In Conversation. Welcome, Marcy Ian. Thank you for being here. And it is such a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. So you connected with Canadians as a broadcaster, particularly over the many years that you co-hosted Canada AM, you know, people waking up to you and with you. How will you connect with Canadians on a political level as an MP? But this is the way that I see it, Anne, that politics is about connection. And I think this is where, you know, if I were to say I had a strength, this is where it would lie because I've connected as a reporter. My job was to listen to people, listen to their stories, and tell them. And now I get to take it if, if the people of Toronto Centre uh, see fit to elect me on October 26th, I get to take it to a different level because it isn't just about connecting and hearing the stories and learning about people, it's adding action to that. And that's what I'm really excited about. So was there what we call a light bulb moment where you said to yourself, this is my destiny. This is what I have to do next. I love that you asked this question because there wasn't one light bulb moment. Their bulbs were going off all over the place. And, and I say this because I was a talk show host. I was co-hosting and there were so many things so many issues, but social issues that we dealt with on a daily basis. So whether it was homelessness, whether it was inclusivity, LGBTQ plus issues, whether it was Black Lives Matter, whether it was more women in politics, these are these were the staples. These are the things we covered on a daily basis. And I was so proud to do that and make that transition from news to a talk show where I could share my own story and share my stories of being a woman, being a black woman in Canada, the country that I love and of my birth, but also, you know, experiencing challenges. I remember, you know, saying to one of my executives, in almost 30 years in journalism, I have never had a boss of color. I have never had a boss of color. And what does that say about our newsrooms? What does that say about the lack of diversity? And then having discussions about women in politics. And really, it's just every day that I talked about these things, I thought, you know, maybe it's not just talking about them. It's about being about them. Maybe it's time to take some action. And so that's what this is. It was maybe I can serve. If I can help in any way, then I have to at least try to do it. I understand that my microphone carried some weight. I understand that. And I appreciate it. And I'm grateful for it. But at the same time, being able to put some action, being able to not just talk about homelessness, but perhaps help and create, you know, um, 
create a mandate or create something that would help addictions, youth issues. There's so much, especially in Toronto Centre. I thought it's time and, and it isn't next year. It's not two years from now. It's right now. So let's talk about reaction and then action. Do you feel, if you are elected MP for Toronto Centre, will you have what you need in order to make change? Absolutely. I think, though, it, ta- it really centres on understanding what is needed. And that's where the listening comes in and the learning comes in. And, you know, we're having conversations right now, albeit, you know, we are in COVID times. Most of these conversations, Anne, are on the telephone. Uh, A lot of things are done virtually, Zoom meetings, Zoom calls, just checking the pulse of the communities within Toronto Centre, understanding what is necessary, and then taking that information, coming up with a plan, because it's solutions-based, right? It's one thing to know what you need. It's another thing to come up with a solution, you know, a team-led solution, and then go back and say, hey, not only is this the issue, but we've come up with five ways to solve it. So that's how I see, I mean, that, that's how I see change happening, bringing solutions, not just questions, but the solutions. You know, I understand that you believe in speaking up, speaking out and telling the truth. So let's go back a couple of years, Driving While Black. In 2018, you were very vocal about being stopped by police, not once, not twice, but three times within a span of eight months, the third time in your own driveway. And I believe that this took place over the course of time in 2017. Why did you want to share that part of your life? Because I knew what it would mean if I did. I knew that I had a bit of a following, um, you know, through Canada AM and then, of course, the social and even just, you know, speaking out beyond those platforms that, you know, if I shared my story, then then maybe others would feel more comfortable to share theirs. And also just letting people know that this can happen to anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It can happen to anyone. And so it was important. The other thing I want to note, Anne, is that at that time, we had heard heard a lot of stories about black males in particular being stopped. But we hadn't heard a lot about black women. And I thought, this is something that I want to share because while, you know, amongst friends, and there, of course, were other women who got in touch and said, oh, my goodness, this has happened to me. Thank you for sharing your story. I wanted to shine a light on that, that this is not just about black men. This is about black people. This is about black women as well. How did you explain this and the outcome to your children? Mm-hmm. So uh, the night that this happened, I had just taken uh, my daughter, Blaze, to my sister's first sleepover. It was a family day weekend. And she was excited because her cousins uh, were home from university and she wanted to spend some time. So my sister had planned a sleepover and I'd just taken her there. Um, but Lloyd and um, my son Dash were at home. And so I was coming home to them. So when I, when I, drive, when I drove rather into the driveway, I didn't notice the officer until I was actually in my driveway. And having to go inside after feeling so shaken up. It was a matter of putting the key in the door and collapsing basically on the ground. I was in tears. 
And so Lloyd and, and Dash ran to me, and, and it was what was wrong. And, and I had to explain to them what had happened. And my son, it was just so hard because, you know, Dash was six years old at the time. And so to explain to a six-year-old, you know, why you're crying and keep things in perspective and, and all of it was really hard. I don't, I have to tell you, I don't think I did a very good job. Um, it was very, very hard. My neighbors actually, um, through the trees, saw the flashing lights in our driveway and their girl um, it was Blaze's best friend. And so she was actually texting Blaze and saying, something's happening at your house. They were worried it was an ambulance. So she was texting Blaze, who was at her aunt's house, saying, listen, something's wrong. Like, call home, call your mom, because we're seeing flashing lights. And so Blaze actually was, was texting me, and, and I called and, you know, let her know what was going on. And she's older. She's seven years older than Dash was, so understood, but also could hear the quivering in my voice. I was really upset. I was scared. And if there's one thing that came out of all of that, Anne, and it's the question that nobody asked, was why were you afraid? There was a lot of focus on, well, you didn't stop at a stop sign. You should have stopped at the stop sign. And that's not what the story was about at all. I said to the officer, if I didn't stop, I will please just give me a ticket. You know, I will pay it. But the issue for me was the continual stops in my neighborhood and this one in my driveway and the asking of, do you own this vehicle? Do you live here while holding my information? All of that, it was just, it was, a, it was a lot. It was getting to be too much and I was afraid. And this is what people don't understand as well. And I will leave it at this point is that black people often carry around trauma they carry around things that others don't care that that don't care that don't carry around um, with regards to police. And I say this because my best friend Dwight Drummond, who you know well, uh, was stopped several years before I was. And so there's that trauma. My father, every black man in my life, has has been stopped, and not particularly for you know the right reasons. <laughs> And so the trauma of that is something that, you know, people of color carry around that's hard to explain. So being stopped in the way that I was and being alone, um, I, was, I was fearful. I was absolutely fearful and upset. And my kids, Blaze had to hear it and Dash had to see it. So the world, Canada, but particularly in the U.S., you know, in the throes of we hope big changes, trying to build a more inclusive society and a, an anti-racist culture. How, how is that happening? And how does that make you feel to see you were, you know, if I may say, on the leading edge of this, and now it is a groundswell, I hope, and I continue to pray that it will grow into something even stronger and bigger and better. How do you feel about being at, at the early part of this? I, I, you know what, I'm grateful that I was and, and I am grateful that I was in a position to use my voice that way. I, I really, really am. And to talk about not just other people, but talk about things that have happened in my own life, in the lives of my family, to just push forward the idea that this is not just an issue south of the border. This is our issue too. 
And these so-called uncomfortable conversations need to happen. And at the very, at the very nucleus of this is humanity. That's what it is. It's empathy. That is what it is. It is about, you know, caring about another, about putting oneself in another person's shoes and understanding what life for them might be like. And that takes listening, but it also takes learning. And then it takes action. And it means actually looking at the way, you know, you're living or things that, you know, you might have brushed aside before and not brushing them aside anymore and treating this as an urgent situation because it is about humanity. That's what this is. It's about people being able to live with dignity and with the rights that all of us deserve. You know, you influence a lot of people, and some people have influenced you, but I'm going to take it right back to your children. I know they are the, the, the very central heartbeat of everything you do. How involved... They are. Yeah, and I, I feel that. I know that about you. How involved have they been when it came to that decision, but also the implementation of the decision to run for federal politics? So Blaze, uh, my 16-year-old, I, I say is really a 65-year-old sage because she is, <laughs> she is wise beyond her years and, and one of my top advisors. And so when I said to her, you know, Blaze, I, I really am at a point where I feel that I need to try and help in some way. I said, but, you know, our, our lives will change if this happens and if I win, it means that I won't be as home as much. It means I might be out more. It means all, you know, all of these things. But I explained to her what I'd be working to do. And the bottom line, Anne, and this is the end of the conversation, uh, because I had said, you know, I had these plans for us and I was going to do this and this is what I'm weighing. And she said, Mom, I'm hearing I a lot. I'm hearing I wanted to do this and I had this plan and I wanted this. And she said, it comes down to it's either about you or it's about all of us. That's it. You've, again, just, uh, you you have this ability to hit home, hit the nail on the head, but also go straight for the heart. Thank you, Anne. Well, coming up, this voice joins the conversation. I'm up the deep end, This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line. Info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to the show. Do you remember this song and this voice? Well, that voice belongs to Roberta Battaglia. She joins us now in conversation. Roberta, thank you very much for being a part of the show. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> so how are you doing? This is a new adventure for you. It's life after AGT. How are you doing? Well, I feel just great. I'm doing great. And um, I feel just amazing after this um just very epic journey and uh, epic, like, you know, experience that I've had on AGT. It's been so amazing, and I'm very grateful for all the support. For those who might not know, and I can't imagine anyone who doesn't know the, the start of your journey, how did 
all of that come together, the America's Got Talent? How did that come together? Well, you know, when I auditioned, I never knew that I was going to be on that stage. And you know how it just came together is I, I never, like, I never knew that I was going to be on that stage at the Golden Buzzer. And, you know, I never thought, like, I, I thought, like, the first edition of the goal was, okay, the four yeses, but not a Golden Buzzer. I just cannot believe it. Wow, what a great moment. <laughs> yeah, and you have stayed connected to Sofia Vergara as well. Yes, I have. <laughs> well, um, you know, she's uh, such a great judge, and, um, you know, uh, she's just an amazing person inside and out. I love her. So what did you learn about yourself through the AGT experience? Well, really, what I've learned not only about myself, but about the whole experience of being an artist and a singer, I've learned that, you know, it takes a lot, um, a lot of hard work behind camera. And, uh, you know, so that's what I've learned. I mean, it's not just going up on a stage and singing. It's really a lot of hard work, like choreography, rehearsal, filming. So, yeah, it is. (laughs) Where do you find the courage to do that. A lot of people who watched you wondered how you remained so calm, confident, and poised. Well, I mean, it it just really happens like that. I mean, ever since I was little, I always had that attitude and that, like, um, that type of positive attitude and that um, uh, confident, encouraging attitude. And I guess it's also the feedback from the people while I, when I, when I'm singing, I mean, they're always smiling, and, you know, when they're, when they're happy, it makes my heart smile. So I always feel welcomed when I'm singing, and that's what I just love about it. It's one of my greatest passions, and I don't think I'm ever going to stop doing it because I love it, like, very much. Well, and as Sophia said uh, on the final show, now the world is watching you. How does that feel? Yeah. Well, I cannot believe, I mean, she had those remarks for me, and, you know, really all the judges had great remarks, and... Uh, nice things to say, but, you know, that um, remark really stays in my head because, you know, uh, to have a famous actress and what a celebrity and a kind person say that to you, it really means a lot. I mean, I got to say it means the world to me. Roberta, how did you decide which songs you were going to sing? I I think about Shallow. I think about Scars to You, Beautiful. What what was in the decision that, that, and I would think that it would be mostly your decision because you have to own that song. So, so song selection uh, comes with uh, choosing between me and the producers. So, um, like I said, me and producers choose a song. And, you know, all uh, like before that, I'll kind of give them some song selections and say, like, you know, hey, like, do you want to, these are some song selections. Like, you know, now let's pick. So that's how it works. And that's how song selection works. How involved are your parents in your career right now? I think 100%. They've been always been, like, they've always been there for me in this journey. I mean, not only in this journey, but they've always been uh, guiding me in the right path since since I was born. They're just amazing parents, and I'm uh, really, really lucky to have them. So, Robert, I remember Simon Cowell saying at one point in the early going, you will not be bullied anymore. What, What did he mean by that? Well, really, I don't know, but I I know he meant good. And um, you know, one of the things he says that he's honored to have you as our, uh, have me as his guest on ADT, and that uh, bullies are threatened by um, you know people that are good, like you know stuff like that. And I just can't believe he said that to me because you know he gave me such a boost of encouragement. 
And, um, you know, I guess AGT, I mean, all the judges gave me so much encouragement. And I think now I just keep on getting more and more confident. And I hope that transmits to everyone because, you know, I want to help the world. I want to, you know, make a change, right? So that's what I want to do. And that's what I want to do, just make people happy. And what change would you make? And how would you do that, Roberta? Well, hopefully just bring um, joy to to your lives. I mean, I just want to give a little speech to someone and say, you know, like, follow your dreams. Never stop believing in yourself. And um, that's mainly the thing that you have to just keep in mind. You always have to follow your dreams. Just believe in yourself, and good will happen if you do hard work. Has the pandemic and all of its uh, awful tentacles, has it affected you and your willingness to be so positive and so you know, so cheerful has that has it brought you down at all well no because really i mean i've been really busy with agt in like these past few months but you know um also staying at home i've had a lot of hobbies like you know uh when my dog was at the house we would play with my dog you know i would bake with my mom because that's one of the things that we love doing together and, you know, if, if it wasn't singing at other places, it would be singing in the in the basement, you know? Mm-hmm. We find ways to um, kind of still interact with each other. I think it's great. So may I ask, <laughs> what, what, what do you do now as an encore? And that's kind of a showbiz expression, I guess. But what is next for Roberta Battaglia? <laughs> well, what is next? I mean, I really don't know. Now I'm just uh, working hard on school because... You know, that's one of my top priorities. And, um, you know, just hopefully giving more to the crop. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen next. We'll have to take it step by step. But stay tuned, everybody. And <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully, good will happen next. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are thrilled that you are, are still studying hard. You know, there there is a... Uh, it's a, it's a tough go to be building a career, which you are doing, but also to continue to be educated, which is so important. How do you feel about trying to strike a balance between career and singing and and education, which is the key to success for all of us? Well, really, I mean, it is like hard work, as I said, but I mean, singing has always been fun for me. So I never find it as like uh, a chore to do. Um, but, you know, it's just an amazing journey what I've been going through in my career in music. And, um, you know, just music, it's not a tour for me. Like I said, I enjoy it very much. And, um, you know, I just love it. And what are you studying right now? Um, like in school? In school, like, yeah. <laughs> in, your, in the educational part of your very busy life. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> in the educational part, you know, there's a lot of math, there's um, science, there's language, a lot of stuff like that, which I really enjoy. I mean, uh, I've, I mean, I'm doing it from home, so that's, I think, the safest way to do it. And, uh, yeah, that's what we're studying. That's one of those things. So tell me about the the spectacle and the sparkle oh. of, of living uh, the dream for many people, and it's your dream as well, AGT. So you met celebrities, and you were with producers, and there were cameras and lights all the time. What was that like for you? Well, for me, I mean, it was breathtaking to see all that happened in just a flash. I mean, I think the most impressing moment was when I got the golden buzzer because, you know, I mean, it was my audition, so everything was new to me. I mean, AGT, I've never done like a big, big experience like that. So this is my first big competition. And, you know, I just 
can't believe what happened behind camera. I mean, lights, uh, meeting celebrities and, you know, singing my heart out on that stage. I mean, it just felt amazing and it felt like the best moment of my life, best feeling and best moment. Who would you like to record with in the future? Well, I really don't know. I mean, I have many big dreams, as I said, on AGT. But, um, you know, I have a little bit too big dreams. I mean, they're a little too big, but hopefully they'll come true if I uh, continue to work hard. I mean, one of them is to sing with Lady Gaga one day. I don't know if that'll happen, but let's hope so. Or Pink, or uh, maybe perform at the Halftime Super Bowl. I don't know, but um, let's see. Whatever holds for me. (laughs) I think that's terrific. And... Let me ask you this. So you went from life in L.A. back to grade six. I believe you're in grade six. So how are you adjusting? So the the big spotlight has been switched off just temporarily. How are you adjusting to life in what we now call the new normal, but it's kind of the normal again? Well, really, I mean, even while I was ADT, my life was normal. I mean, I'm not that type where... I mean, once I get through this big experience, I, be, I like I have a full head. I mean, obviously, I've always like um, taken care of that. I mean, really, I I'm not taking having a hard time adjusting to this normal life that people call because, you know, it always was a normal life. So it's not really um, a thing that I'm like that it's hard adjusting to. What do you say to other young people uh, who have dreams? I know of a young man who's a violinist. He, he wants to be an astronaut. What do you say to other yeah. other people your age who have dreams? What do you say to them? Well, to all the kids out there who have dreams, this is my message. I mean, if you want to be anything you'd like, you can accomplish it. Just, um, you know, just work hard, put your mind to it, and trust me, it'll happen somehow. It will. You know, before I let you go, I just have to ask where that voice came from. When you sing, you know, we look at you and you're a young lady and you're beautiful and you're poised. But all of a sudden, this mammoth voice, this powerful voice comes out of you. Where did that come from, Roberta? Well, um, yes. I mean, I, I started singing when I was about three and a half. But even before that, I was at home and I would pick up the microphone from my dad because my dad is also a musician, so that's where I got it from. And, um, you know, on, on his side, all, all our, almost all our generations are um, musical, and they have, it's like we have music in our blood, basically. So, it's, um, yeah, I've been singing since I was three and a half, and um, that's where I got it from. I got it from dad, and my family's been there to support me throughout this wonderful journey. So I'm really grateful. Oh, you're terrific. Roberta Battaglia, thank you so much for joining us on In Conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure. It was our pleasure, Roberta. Thank you. Oh, what a show. Marcy Ian leaving her career in journalism to make a difference on the political stage. And Roberta Battaglia, her career is just getting started and the world is watching. Let's keep the conversation going. I'm Ann Romer. Join me again next week. Bye for now. Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.